Hey, this is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Ariel's podcast. Now part of the Digitant family of podcasts. How's it going, guys? I hope you're having a wonderful week. Before we get started, um, lots of stuff going on at Wrap Your Head Around Silks, where I have created all these products for you guys that will hopefully enrich your aerial practices. Number one, so excited because Roll It Out is ongoing, a 60-minute virtual live body rolling classes specifically targeted for aerialists and our aerialist issues. I know we all have to do this. It's just about carving out the time. It's a $19 monthly subscription. So not tons of money and you get the student portal. So basically there's a weekly video up there, an hour rolling, um, the video of the live class. If you can't make it, it's not a big deal. It's really about the portal and having all those videos for you um, 24 seven. So check that on the show notes. I would love to have you. And if you can make it to the Sunday, 7 PM Pacific time live class, I'll see you in person. And then aerial rehab meant to be the bridge between PT and your aerial class. I'm going to give you guys another chance at that opening registration for that soon. All right, my friends. Today we have Karina Manassian and she is a student of mine, but also just a friend. Um, I've known her for probably a decade. I was teacher training to teach um, Ariel, and her little peanut, her little daughter, was in class, and she was a kid. Now she, now she's an adult. And Karina recently came back to my class, and she has been killing it in there. Are you a kid too? Yes, yes, you are a kid. So we get into the topic of surviving toddlerhood. You and your partner surviving the toddlers, basically. And I asked Karina to come on here because she is the voice of reason for me when I go to class. You know, she got through it with her husband and they're on the the other side of it. And sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees when you're in it with a toddler or more than one. So... I am so grateful for you in my life, Karina, and I'm grateful that you came and, sh- and shared your wisdom on the podcast. All right, guys, let's get started. Okay, so this is the expecting aerialist. Karina is an aerial hobbyist. She's an attorney. She's been doing aerial as long as I've been teaching, I believe, because when I first met her, we were at this small um, gym in Eagle Rock, California, and she would drop into class because her daughter was taking class. And how old was your daughter at that time? 10 years ago. No, 12 years ago. Something like that. Yeah, I started teaching about 12 years ago. And um, her her daughter was a little, little, little bean back then. And she's a full adult now. I just saw you a picture with her. And you guys were all in your sexy miniskirts. You're looking pretty hot, Karina. <laughs> looking. It's all the hard work, you know? pretty sexy, mama. Um... And so we've known each other for a long time. And more recently after the pandemic, Karina started, you know, coming to my class again and she's just training. The other day she did a double star for the first time in like three years. That was one of those things I used to love to do. And then of course, pandemic happens. Training goes to hell. So thank you for getting me back there. Well, she just wasn't like excited to do it. And 
classes would go by and she would just skip it. And then one day she's like, oh, I think I want to do that. And she did it a couple times that day. It was fantastic. But the more, the more relevant uh, reason why I have Karina on here, besides that she checks all the boxes, she's an aerialist, she's a mama, badass, is because recently she has been the voice of reason for me. <laughs> the voice of reason because I'll come into class and me and Asa, I'm going to look back and be like, this was a really stressful time in our lives. Like we're renovating a house. We will have passive income, passive ish. I mean, no passive income is truly passive, but um, we'll have income coming in from all these sources later in life. In 10 years, we are going to be so excited that we did this. But currently we have a toddler we are living in a small apartment here because we're paying a mortgage somewhere else and renovating a house with no income coming from it. He's working a million jobs. I'm trying to get my business off the ground without having a lot of money and to invest into it. And it's a stressful time in our lives in general, in our family's life. And Karina has been the voice of reason because I'll come in and I'll be like, the dishes, we fought about dishes. He's going to disappear because that's the only way I know how to deal with this. And I just want him to go away because he's the problem because I'm stressed. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with this whole family shit. <laughs> and Karina is like, take a breath, slow down. And then after a couple weeks of that, she comes to me and she's like, do I need to worry about you if I don't come every week? Like, do I need to worry that you're just going to, like, rush off and get a divorce because you're mad about the dishes and vacuuming? Like, like you got to have your – you got to keep your eye on the prize. Blah, blah, blah. So Karina has been my voice of reason, and I wanted to ask her to come on today – I know, long intro – come on today to talk about how to survive having kids with somebody. Ironic you should ask me that because not too long ago I was in your shoes in exactly where you are and it took a lot of work and a lot of effort on both our parts to make it here today where I can look at my little grasshopper meaning you and give you some advice and <laughs> help you. <laughs> By the way we're not that different in age. No we're not. No. But I started a little bit before you. Oh yeah, a long time before me. So how long, I, when was, when was that, you know, the, what, the time of our lives that I'm characterizing? When was that for you guys? Same age as your daughter. It's all about the toddler. It's not about you. It's not about your age. It's not about the length of your relationship. It's the toddler. And that's one thing we learned was when we had two toddlers, you only have one, Toddlers have an amazing way of disrupting your relationship because they have a power play in motion that you have no idea is happening, okay? The toddler all of a sudden wants to have a say in things that you don't realize the toddler needs to have a say in because, of course, you want to be the best parent. And the you here is the collective you, both you and your partner. Um, you each think that, my job as parent is to control this little uh, creature, make sure that they don't get in trouble, make sure that they learn all the right things and do all the right things. Meanwhile, controlling my partner to make sure my partner does all the right things and doesn't 
overstep and do anything that I don't agree with. And that's where the power struggle begins. And that's what I was trying to tell you in class that one day. You have to learn how to survive the toddlerhood of your child. <laughs> because it's not about your relationship. It's about the toddlerhood of your child. Which is mind-blowing. Because as a parent, you start to realize, how is being a parent disrupting me so much when it's like the thing that I love the most in my life right now, right? Right. And then the guilt comes in because you realize this is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I mean, I can, you know, you at your age, you've accomplished amazing things. You've, you know, toured with stars and you can go up 50 feet in the air and not be scared, right? And I'm sure your partner's done some amazing things, which I don't know the details of. But then along comes this little bean and makes you scared. <laughs> makes you both anxious and makes you fight each other over stupid things, right? Like the dishes. So you have to learn that when the, the toddler is asking for independence, it's okay. It's absolutely okay for that little toddler to have a little bit of independence from both of you, but you also have to learn how to manage each other without it turning into World War III every time. That's the problem. And so... It took a lot of work. It took professional assistance to explain these things to us. And I am in no shape or form a professional in anything I'm telling you. I'm just reiterate, reiterating what I learned a long time ago. Um, so yeah, you have to reach out to support groups. You have to reach out to mom groups. I Back then, God, it was like the beginning of Facebook. So I was in all these mom villages online. I would go to the mommy and me classes with my toddler. I would listen to other women talking about the same issues, but I also got professional help from a therapist to explain these things to me because no one teaches this to you in school. Our parents didn't teach us. So how do you learn how to be a mom or a dad for that matter? Who teaches us these things other than what we've seen, right? And I came from a completely different parenting background where, um, you know, it was all the, just the mom. My dad was not a hands-on parent. So along comes my amazing husband, who's a hands-on father. And I was like, what? What do I do with this? You know, don't, don't I have 100% say? And mm. he just kind of like the statue in the corner that's supposed to, you know, be the sperm donor oh no that's not how it works he actually has parenting to do now what <laughs> who taught me this well and you want that you want that but then i absolutely absolutely wanted that but then you're like why do you have so many opinions on things that i don't think that a man would want to have opinions on i mean i remember <laughs> one time i came in and I was so, what I was so lit about that day, and of course, when it passes, I can't imagine being so mad about something, right? Like, we were having a discussion about how, how to correctly wipe her butt. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting how when somebody else makes a critique on something I'm doing as a mom, and it seems so visceral and emotional, like... Are you judging me on my entire, like, emotional life of parenting? Like, I'm trying my hardest. 
blah, blah, blah. And it just becomes like, I feels like they're attacking me for the sacrifice that I'm making for blah, like for, for 101 things when, you know, Venus scratching at her butt and he's like, well, your mama didn't clean your crack enough, you know? And so then there's a whole conversation about which wipes we're using and if she's allergic to the wipe and if her butt is rashy. And I come to class and I'm like, like ready to, uh, like throw out like everything in the kitchen sink, like everything in the bathwater. I'm like done, pissed. And it feels very real. Attack you off the ledge, right? Oh, yeah. Like, it feels very real in that moment. <laughs> like, like I don't need this. You know, if I, if I was just on my own, like, I wouldn't have to deal with this. And I don't mean any of it. You know? I'm actually really glad. Um, I started doing all the production on my, wet, on my podcast, so he's not doing the sound anymore because I learned how to do it, and he's got too much to do. He's got a lot of on his plate. So I was like, okay, this is my responsibility anyway. Let me learn how to do it. And I'm kind of glad because I don't think he listens to this besides to, to master the sound. <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, he's not going to hear this. It's fine. So he's not going to hear us talking a, a shit about him? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> but it's not that. It's like, I think I feel like almost every person, man or woman, in a relationship might have felt this way. Like you go nuclear. You know what I'm saying? Going back to that, that issue, let me ask you, when you were being raised as a little child, do you remember your father even changing your diapers? Oh, no, he didn't. My dad, you know- taking you to the bathroom? No, it was, it was a total, like, same thing. Like, Chinese family, that generation, because my parents are in the boomer generation, like, the, the dad was, you know, he was doing his job if he was making the money. And then the mom was doing their job if they're doing literally everything else, plus also making money on the side. So like, no, he didn't do any of that. So we, we have the same upbringing. We came from a boomer upbringing, right? Right. Where the father was literally just the provider, had absolutely nothing to do with your hygiene, your apparel, your food, nothing, right? Mom did all of that. So now we're with a partner which is exactly what I wanted, by the way. And I'm right. sure that's exactly what you wanted. Right. I only wanted involved. to have a husband that would be an involved father because that's what I wanted. But then what I wanted and what actually happened didn't make sense to me because my brain and my heart were telling me two different things. They were like, wait a minute, you wanted an involved husband and now he's going <clears> to <throat> tell you what your kids should eat or where you should take them on a play date. You know, all of these details that our moms didn't have to deal with, right? Right. So it, it's a learning curve. And it's, you know, I think my biggest advice to you and anyone else in your shoes would be to approach it the same way you actually approach silks, you know, step by step, you learn it as a new skill. Don't assume you know anything about what you're doing right now, because A, as a parent, you don't know anything. And B, as being in a committed, loving relationship, you don't know anything because everything you've learned, you've learned from an entirely different culture, an entirely different background that does not apply to our current life in, in the United States, in Los Angeles of all places, which is one of the craziest places to live, in my opinion, and raising children in this day and age. 
So if you approach it like if something bothers you, you just go out and learn how to deal with it. You are so intelligent. You could learn how to fix it. And um, that's one of the things I learned as a lawyer very early, that if I didn't know something about a case, my job was to research the shit out of it until I figured out what it is, right? Mm-hmm. One of my first first cases right out of law school dealt with um, massive drug interaction that uh, resulted in a woman giving birth to a multiple birth defect child. And I didn't know anything about medicine. I was an English major undergrad. So I told my boss, I said, what makes you think I could handle this case? I know nothing about medicine, pharmacology, chemistry. I hated that stuff in college. He goes, you know what? You've learned research. As a lawyer, one of the skills you've learned is how to research everything and anything. So he said, you're going to go and you're going to ask the the best experts in the field everything you need to know. So if you don't know something, you go ask the best experts. I said, okay. And that skill was enough to teach me to know when to have to ask for help and to know when to go and ask the best people in whatever it is my problem is at this given moment, how to fix that problem. And I think the biggest, biggest challenge as a parent, a new parent is admitting that it's you, that you need help because it's so natural, right? It is the, the, it's a God-given right that we give birth to a child. We should know how to take care of it, right? Why don't we know how to do some of these things? And why don't we know what's the best solution with our partner? And it's weird, but that's how it is. You just have to accept that you just have to ask for help and it's okay. Like if I'm stuck in a double star wrap, I'm going to ask you, I'm not just going to go. Right. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, how, okay. Imagine, imagine all these women out there and we know a lot of women who have toddlers right now because all of the aerial teachers <laughs> around us yeah. have toddlers yeah. Like, how do we turn the volume down and the temperature down on some of these, like, kind of silly arguments with our partner? For example, um, another thing that comes up between me and Asa is, like, what she's exposed to on TV. Because what ends up happening, and it is selfish on both of our parts, but, like, when he's watching something really, like, graphic and violent on TV, and she's just sitting there watching it, and I'm not watching it with him. I'm just like, why is she listening to this? And of course, she's on a device anyway. She's watching her Bluey. But when I do it, I do the same thing. Like, I really want to watch the thing. (laughs) And so we both end up doing it, but we have a problem when the other person does it because we're not attached to whatever we're watching. You know what I'm saying? So, like, how, how does one take the temperature down on these conversations? I'm trying to remember. No. Because we were in the same shoes, you know? Living in small quarters yeah, with the family room, with the TV in there. And of course, you want to have your time together. You don't want to, one of you go to the other room so the other one can watch a show. Yeah. And you feel like you're going to prison because the other person wants the TV, right? Yeah. It's a challenge, isn't it? I think um, one of the things we did is we just started watching things after the kids went to bed. And we had to come to terms with the fact that 
our responsibility is to the kids. Yeah. And once the kid, if the kid is around, those things have to be off limits for both of you. Cause it's what's, you know, it has to be fair. So you can't say, well, you go to the other room and let me watch my graphic, you know, X-rated show for the next two hours. <laughs> yeah. huh? Game of Thrones. This is the worst. Game of Thrones is the it's hardest. The worst. You, you can't. Like, there's not just language. There's not just nudity. There's not just sex. And I'm like, everybody's like, oh, have you watched the new Game of Thrones? I haven't. Of course I haven't. Like, when am I going to do that? I have started, like, I watched, um, what did I watch? I watched Cocaine Bear. <laughs> By the way, have you seen Cocaine Bear? No. Are you bothered by violence on on the screen? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. not. It's really funny, actually. No. I mean, the bear ingests yeah. cocaine and then gets high yeah. and then starts killing everybody in the park. It's it's hilarious. Um, and you know, I just start watching on my earbuds on my on my laptop. So I mean, thank God for that because had it been ten years ago, you really had to be in jail because maybe. You don't have streaming services on your computer, so at least we have that. I guess. I guess that is the the solution. Like, just start finding different ways to do things in a private way, so that they are not exposed. At least they're at least they're hearing. Um, I was watching Breaking Bad, and before I realized how how like terrible that that show is for anybody who's an adolescent, like it's an amazing show. But have you watched Breaking Bad? No, just bits and pieces. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, you can't watch that stuff in front of your child. Like it's, yeah, it's terrible. And, and you know what the worst part of this realization is that you're coming to, this epiphany you're having, that this limitation is going to happen until approximately the age of 16, 17 for your child. Until such time as you can sit in front of the TV with your kid and watch something crazy, right? Yeah. So you have what? 14 years left of this. And if you have another <laughs> child, you reset the clock. <laughs> Listen, not happening. No, I get it. Huh? I just turned 46 yesterday. Okay. So not gonna, not gonna play okay. that DNA lottery. <laughs> but happy birthday. Thanks. I mean, I'm very happy to have gotten this far and I have my bean, which is all I need. Well, I need a lot of things, okay. but that's all I really wanted in my life was to have my bean in, you know, in the last 10 years. Um, yeah. So that epiphany is kind of like, like a second wave of the epiphany of when I first had her, like, oh, I can't go places. I've definitely settled into that now. Like I've completely, it's taken three years plus a pandemic. And I was lucky because there was a pandemic. So everybody had to shift. Like, I can't go places anymore. I can't just be free and go to a bar and have a drink with my friends. For two years, that was the game. Two and a half years. I know. Why can't you do that now? Why can't you go places No, now? I, I can. But it's like, right when she was born, it was just like that freedom of like not having to get a sitter. Not like, you know, just like taking my, taking my purse, jumping in an Uber, and not having a care in the world. That shift that I had to make. Because I spent, you were younger when you had your first. How old were you when she was born? <laughs> yeah, I was 30. You were 30. Okay, so you had still like lived, like it's not like you were 21. Like you had lived like a life before that. So for me, I was 40, 41 when I got pregnant. I was so used to the 
enormous amount of freedom I had. Oh, yeah. Enormous amount. Like, the only thing that would have given me more freedom was if I had more money. But then I would have had more responsibilities because, you know, jobs like that come with more responsibility. So now, you know, the waves of freedom are like, you know, the waves of, okay, I have this limitation in my life because I wanted a bean. And it is very humbling every time you realize that. You know what I'm saying? It's not only humbling. But it's okay to admit that it's also a little bit upsetting. And that's the part, that's, that's the part as a mom that creates the guilt. When you get upset at the fact that your, your motherhood is limiting you, that creates guilt. And you don't want to admit that. Um, and I certainly never admitted that when I had younger children. Because I never wanted to admit that. I felt held back by my children. But unless you have resources and help and a way of having an outlet, you're going to constantly have that guilt. So really, I think the, the thing that um, helped me get through those really, really tough toddler years into the school age years was uh, finding a for sure, an exercise outlet, for sure. I was actually, believe it or not, before I did Ariel, I was doing belly dancing. <laughs> in oh, I a believe troop. it. Oh, in a troop. Dance troop, which, um, you know, we would, it, was, it was also just a hobby. It was not a professional endeavor by any means. Same as the way I do Ariel, just a hobby. But it was an outlet, you know, because I've danced since I was a kid. So it was so important for me to have an artistic outlet of some sort, something that was just for me, nobody else. I did it for me. There was that one hour per, you know, every two, twice a week or whatever it is that I had just for myself. And it was a very adult thing. It had no, ch you know, children involved. And that is so important. And I know all you do is teach and work. So I'm asking you, do you have anything that you do just for yourself? On a weekly basis. Oh, no, not right now. You have to do it. Yeah, I mean, it would be the more exercise version is hot yoga because that is not for work at all. I'm not certified. I'm not trying to teach it. I just go and have the time for myself. And then the other more recreational things, my favorite thing to do is like go to a movie by myself. You have to schedule those. You have to schedule those things and you have to do them and you have to make sure you're partner does the same for himself. Well, you know what makes me feel guilty? Huh. Is that he'll totally allow me to do it, but he won't do it himself. That's okay. He will learn from you. My husband was the same way. My husband was the same way for years. I would really? go do yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go do my own thing. Like like I said, the belly dancing, you know, twice a week he would watch the kids, I would go. And he would do nothing for himself. And I felt guilty the same way, thinking, why am I doing this? And he's over there wallowing in his, you know, corner of whatever it is he's doing. And eventually he learned. He watched me and he learned that he needs to do it for himself as well, whatever it is. It took years, years. So it's not like you'll do it today and he'll learn next week. It depends on the person. So it's okay that he doesn't do it because one of you has to have the mental capacity to be 
um, not like this ticking time bomb ready to right. blow up. Right. If both of you are so wound tight that you're about to explode, that's a recipe for disaster. So take my advice and it's okay if he's not going and doing his own thing. You go do your thing so you could have the mental clarity for your child and you, and you know, it's like, it's like the big fat Greek wedding, you know, the woman is the neck. You are the neck of the household and whatever direction you turn your household, that's the direction it's going to go in. So if your direction is healthy mindset, healthy body, you have your Zen space, you get your clarity, you can do your own self-care and you can have that, um, that headspace that's not all clogged up with the, the motherhood, the guilt, the annoying, the, all the junk that's in your head, then you can turn your family into the right direction. That's really what I believe in. Oh my God, you're so wise. Like it is incredible. <laughs> like every time I talk to you, I feel way better about my life. No. So Karina, I like when I do like, it's not that he never does it. Like yesterday he went for a run. So it's not like he never does it, but it, it's either he goes and, and does like a full on exercise or he, but he won't do anything recreational, right? For himself. And so when I do, and I, and I don't lie about it. I'm like, I'm going to go see Super Mario Brothers because I want to stuff popcorn in my face and have 80s nostalgia and turn off my brain and my phone for two hours. And I won't lie. I'll go. But in my mind is feeling like all he does, he's a workaholic, he's a perfectionist. I know you told me that your husband is very similar. And I feel like, look at him working his ass off, and I'm going to see fucking Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Finding where you're going as just a recreational stupid time. When you need to define it's it not as... stupid. Is your point? It's not. But the thing is, you're taking me time. The me time that you need to recharge to come back and be a better mother and a better uh, spouse. That's so important. So important. I can't. I I can't stress how much that how important that is. And I mean, even if it's just going to get your nails done, you know, if that's right, your thing, right. you know, he has to allow that. Maybe for him, his me time is going to take his car to the car wash, but he's not telling you that. You know what I mean? He's he's right, not right, right, right. Into words. So I'm sure he right. has whatever things he does that make him feel better because there's no one that you know is a complete robot. Right. Um, you just have to figure out what it is that, that he might, and he might be doing it for five minutes as opposed to an hour. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah, like okay. he goes to a guitar center to get new equipment once in a while. And he doesn't frame it like that. You know, he's like got a gig. He needs to get his new sticks. He broke his sticks. But for me, going to a dance clothing shop is like catharsis. You know what I'm saying? Like I look at all the new point shoes. I smell the leather on the ballet shoes. And I... I like look at all the leotards, like it makes me feel emotionally good inside. And so you're right. He might be doing that at guitar center. He might not be. And not necessarily framing it that way. And so therefore I'm framing 
whatever gives me those feelings like he doesn't get this, but I'm taking it. And now I feel this weird underlying guilt that I can't even put my finger on, that I can't even, um, that I don't even want to talk about, you know? Uh, and honestly, Karina, this time of our lives, there are days where I'm like, I can't see the forest through the trees because it feels so tight. Everything feels tight. Our finances feel tight. Like we make money, but then all of it's gone. But you're making good choices. You're making very sound investing choices, which is fantastic for your future. And you will see it one day, maybe not now, but you will see it. And you know that. Oh yeah. Right? No, I, you know that. I do. I do know it. And I, Uh and there's signs of it. It's not even, there's not signs like, you know, our, our home that we bought in Delaware, it's, it's appreciated a hundred thousand dollars already, which is a lot for the fact that it was only 250,000 in the first place. So there's signs of it, but we don't see any of it because, you know, I think that the term is house poor when all your assets are tied up. I have another friend, Jack and Jerry Calvin, who are owners of JJ Jim who live just down the street from me. And they invested a long time into their aerial space and their home and their kids. And 10 years ago, you know, she was where, not even more than that. She was where we're at. And I look at her now and everything is paying for itself. Like it's a, it is a well-oiled machine and, um, it gives me inspiration, but it just doesn't feel soon enough because, you know, I'm not 25. You know, we didn't start going down this path until into our 40s. And I just feel like it's never quick enough. Um, you were telling me about how when you were pregnant, you actually left your law firm, left the law firm that you were employed at to start your own. Because I was like, Karina, this time of my life, you're like, I know, I, I went through it. And, I, and then you told me that short story while we were warming up for class where all my students were warming up and I was just sitting on the floor whining on my yoga mat. <laughs> it's okay. That happens. That's scary. Yeah. That's okay. Don't apologize I mean, can you tell that. that story to the listeners? Cause I feel like it really helped me actually. Oh my God. It was one of the hardest things I went through in my life because, you know, I had this vision of, becoming a lawyer. And I thought I was going to be a big time, like kick ass, working in a big law firm, trial attorney. Um, And my dream was to be in a a space where I could one day become partner of a maybe, you know, hundred person law firm. So I was working when I was pregnant with my second, I was working in this 200 50-person law firm with multiple places in the country, maybe even international, I forget at this point. And um, my son had um, an illness that ended up uh, being very life-threatening, and he was in the hospital. So when I was pregnant with my daughter, we had to go to the hospital with him. Um, Thank God he was treated and everything went fine with him, but then my pregnancy became at risk. I started having spotting, I was on bed rest. So of course, this all happened in the last month of the year, in December. And the way law firms work is you have to bill your hours in order to get your raise for the year. 
So in November, they told me, oh, you know, you just have to bill 125 hours for December and you'll get a $10,000 raise. So 21 years ago, $10,000 was a lot of money to me um, because I was still knee deep in law school debt. And so long story short, I go on disability because my son is in the hospital. I'm on bed rest. I work only two weeks out of December and I don't meet those 125 hours. By the way, just to put it in perspective, my normal monthly billable was 175 hours. So if I had even worked three weeks, I would have met those hours without a problem, but it was all um, you know, because of the disability and my son. So I don't meet those hours. I was 50 hours short. They took my $10,000 raise away in January. And I went to the partners and I said, I was on bed rest. My son was in the hospital. Why would you take my raise away for something that was completely valid? And they said, oh, that's how it works. You know, we just treated you like any other lawyer who wouldn't have met their hours. Um, so that was the first strike where they, they really, really, in my opinion, discriminated against me as a pregnant woman. A um, few months later, again, my pregnancy was having issues and they had me work on a very, very uh, um, high risk case where the person that I had to get a temporary restraining order against was um, charged with a felony attempted murder and they wanted me to go to court against him. So the stress of it was freaking me out. And I told my boss, I said, can I not go to court? Can I just write the paperwork and you send somebody else? I, I can't deal with going to court on this case. And he said to me, well, you're, you're not able to represent your client if that's how you feel, then you shouldn't be working. And I thought, you know what? What is the point of working in a, in a place where I'm being so mistreated and it's obvious that they're just trying to push me out because of my pregnancy. They don't want mm. me here. So long story short, I left that practice. Um, and it was a very hard decision because my husband said to me, don't worry about them. You can make it on your own. We can do our own, um, our own business together. You don't need to be under this kind of stress. So I left that firm and I opened up my own practice and I had to do everything from A to Z because I couldn't afford to hire staff at that time. And I went from having a full service law firm at my disposal to do everything for me with secretaries and assistants and research assistants and whatnot to one copier and one printer <laughs> and one computer and myself. And it was very, very stressful because my salary wasn't there. I still had my student loans and I had a newborn and a two-year-old at the time. Um, and my husband, because he's in real estate, he believed in, um, in investing in real estate. So we were in the same position you're in. We had property that we didn't see the income from. And because when you first buy property, unless you're super, super lucky, it's usually in the red. You don't see your rental income for a few years. You might see $50 a month positive, depending on you know the circumstances of how you bought the property, right? So our assets were not liquid at the time. 
not to mention I had all of that debt that I had to repay. So he was uh, fortunate enough to be able to assist me in that. And we made it. But it was very, very challenging. And in addition to having all the things we talked about before with the, the toddlers that um, challenge everything you've learned in life about what you're doing right. And you constantly start to second guess, oh my God, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Um, you have the financial burden of figuring out how to survive on your own. It's, it was a very, very tough time. Um, but if you kind of muscle through it, it's amazing when you come out the other end and you realize that you accomplished something so challenging. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to be able to give you that advice that you can accomplish that too. You just have to muscle through it. Yeah, sometimes I look at him and I'm like, I really like you, but this would be so much easier. <laughs> like, I, you know, like I can imagine us old and past all this and like all these worries going away. I'm like, I really, really want to hang out with you. But this feels so hard, you know? Um, and your story, it just makes me feel like, oh my God, I'm tearing a little bit. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I don't cry on the podcast very often anymore. Now that I have my Zoloft. Oh my God. I'm only talking about financial crisis. What about all the other people you've had on that have, have had real problems that they've overcome? This is nothing. Well, maybe it's not nothing. Doing... It's what no, you're going it's, 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 it's like, it's like a mirror. It's like what I'm struggling with. And also I think that's part of it. Every time I talk to somebody about, a struggle, quote unquote, air quotes. I always like qualify it with, oh, but I'm I'm in such a privileged place. But that doesn't really give value to whatever emotions that you're feeling at the moment to always qualify it with, but I'm so privileged. Because it is true. Like I consider me and Asa like we're not blue collar because that that kind of connotates with people who aren't artists. Um, but we are working class in the same way that like, you know, we're check to check. I'm check to check currently because we have all these things going on that are for the future. And it, and it is so stressful to me to think like, it's hard for me to be like, I know we're going to be okay because of the choices that we're making. But right now it just feels slightly irresponsible to be like spending all this money on a house that's not giving us anything. But I know that's not true. It feels slightly selfish to not just be grabbing any work that I can get my hands on because I know like, you know, for example, this podcast, my goals are clear for it. It is serving a particular audience and serving it well. It is so on course and in the pocket of what I want it to be. I'm in with a network, but you know, for example, you guys might hear ads on this podcast, but it's per um, viewership, right? Per download. And so like a, like a podcast like Joe Rogan, which I'm not a fan of, but you know, he's got millions and millions of downloads. Like that podcast once a week, two times a week, it pays his, all his bills plus his grandchildren's bills. 
But until I have that type of following and that type of like, you know, it's just, it's just free, you know, it's just my time. And my parents asked me recently, they're like, how is it going? Is it monetized yet? I was like, well, it's monetized to the products I sell through it, but it's not monetized as a podcast yet. And, and from what my, um, my podcast network CEO says, he's like, you might think this is crazy, but podcasts, the ones that are really making it are 10 years deep already. Oh God, you have to do this for a long time. I don't even know podcasts were around for 10 years, but they certainly have been. Because this one, which seems new to a lot of people, I'm in my third year. So yes, it makes sense that it takes 10 years. It just, everything that I'm putting my, my energy and effort and seeds into, I believe it will be there for me in 10 years. It's just like this, this time is just so like, I just don't know what's going to happen. And it's, and it's like already an anxious person. Like it stresses me out so much that like, it's so hard for me to be like, I know it's going to be okay with full faith. You know what I'm saying? Like, did you feel that at that time when you had a pregnant belly and your son was in and out of the hospital and you left that job with that salary and those benefits? Like, like how scared were you? Oh my God. I was beyond scared. I thought we were going to lose everything. I, I, couldn't see the forest through the trees like you're saying. Yeah. Um, because that, um, you know, umbilical cord that I had, which was the, the money coming in, the, the monthly salary was so good. I was like, what, what am I doing giving this up? I'm crazy, right? Um, but I had to put my faith in my husband and he, he is a real real estate wizard. Um, he knows what he's doing. He's always put us in the right direction. And he's put us into some risky endeavors that I thought he was crazy. Really? Crazy. And I was like, like for are example, you nuts? like I'm I'm so into oh it. Like my for God. example. Okay, so this is the one. This my 2005, my son was five years old. And he he opens escrow to buy an apartment building. And on day five of escrow, the building caught on fire. And I'm like, <laughs> oh okay, you can get your money back, right? You can cancel escrow. He says, I'm not canceling escrow. Are you crazy? I go, are you crazy? What? <laughs> I go, you now have a burnt down building with no income coming in. You're going to buy this? He says, you bet your bottom I'm going to buy this. <laughs> Wait, for a different price? Um, a little bit of a reduction. He figured out, I mean, I'm telling you, he is a real estate genius. Okay, but what was his thought process there? Uh, long story short, get the money from the insurance and rebuild it. Okay. And then, you know, get the income. But yeah, that process, that time, that energy, all of the effort it took to do that, there was, you know, two years of downtime. Yeah. Where there was no income. And it wouldn't have been had there not been a fire, right? It would have been shorter. Right. Right. So my point is crazy things that I've had to put my faith in him and he's pulled us through. So I was really fortunate to have a life partner that was able to support me in making the very, very difficult decision I had to make to leave the, the firm I was working at, which was such a toxic environment. And I was so much better off after leaving it. 
Um, and you know, one thing I think in retrospect, having done a lot of um, thinking and soul searching as an aerialist specifically, I think one um, character trait that we all share is that we love living on the edge, right? It is not yeah. hot yoga, right? It's no. doing some crazy shit with your time. So what is it that makes us all like to be so extreme? What is it all that we all have in common? That rush, you know, that, that adrenaline rush that you feel when you're dropping that, you know, and you've seen students like newbies, they're like, oh, I'm scared to drop. And then they drop and they're like, oh my God, that was so good. Right. So it's like short little spurts of roller coaster rides. Um, that is a tough personality trait to wrangle for ourselves. I've come to that conclusion because you, you, me, all of us, we have that constant need for constant thrill, right? And we feed that with our sport. Um, and then what does that do when that, that animal isn't being fed? What does that do to your, your brain? Your brain goes, I need some crazy excitement in my life. Okay, let me go pick a fight with my partner. <laughs> <laughs> or let me go pick a fight with my child. Right? <laughs> right? Something stupid. Yeah. <clears throat> you got to feed that animal. So I feed my animal by going to class, by doing my... <laughs> you know, my aerial and not being self-destructive in other ways. <laughs> oh my God. And of course, this is not conscious. Like we're not doing it consciously. You have to have people around you that'll be like, hmm, why do you think you did that, Carrie? You feel in the need for, you know, this this subconscious need for um for risk, you know? <laughs> for Yeah. For for some for some risk. Um and, and that that need for risk is what's allowing you to not be clocking in and clocking out at a paycheck right now. And you're doing your own thing. You're doing your own business endeavor. You've got your real estate in Delaware and Ace is doing his own thing. You guys have that in common. You are not uh, afraid of risk. You just know that it'll be a while until you see the reward. And you have to keep that in mind. It's going to be a while. But you'll see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to say in the last couple of years, I mean, my audience probably knows this, but I'm making, I was making, was, I think it's past tense, that transition from full-time performing to what the fuck am I doing next? And I want to be as passionate about it as I was before. And that transition in my mind was quicker and easier than it is <laughs> somehow. It, but it, it's it's not. It's like five or ten years, and we're talking about from from like a successful to career to a successful career. There's got to be time in between. I'm not going to snap my fingers and have a worldwide podcast with you know tens of thousands of downloads every week, like like in the snap of a finger. I know that rationally, but. You know, like being patient every day, being really patient every day 
is so, it's not even hard for me emotionally, like sad or happy. It just creates complete, utter anxiety that doesn't easily leave my system. That's what it creates for me. Did it, was it the same for you? Did, or was it more of a happy, sad, depressed? No, I think it's exactly the way you just described it, which is why your self-care is so important. Because right. that's where you go and you do your emotional dumping. Right. And you recharge. Right. And then you come back and then you get the clarity and you go, oh, okay, this is why I'm doing this. It's worth it. I'm doing this and I'm staying in this this space that I've chosen for myself. And these are my goals. These are what I set to do. And it's happening. Right. And I was just thinking of you and what you said about the whole like learning about that one case that you were like, I don't know anything about medicine. So today I was trying to learn about how to place Google ads myself because you can pay somebody, but then all the money that I would have to do it would then be going to the person doing it for me and then I wouldn't have any budget left for the actual ad placement. So I'm like, okay, I set out to do it myself. And there's a reason why people are paid to do it. It's like fucking French. Yeah. Like it looks like I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Conversion, conversion analytics, cookies. I'm like, what the, the cookie is something to eat. <laughs> like, what's, a, what's a cookie? Right? Yeah, and it feels it feels like that every day. But I have to say, um, Karina, I might even put put your podcast like move it up the calendar because I'm so excited for people to hear this. Because I feel like this whole idea of being mom and doing what we do, and no mom out there is just like one dimensional. You have your you have your aerial, you have your kids, but then you have your your career and whatever you do with your time, and it is so complex. And we're, you know, I don't have what, like, I don't necessarily think I have tons of, like, quote-unquote mom guilt, but it just, it's, it's deeper and more complex than that. And it's okay. And that, that's, you know, that's what I try to tell young women or women with young children um, all the time. When you set out for your career goals, don't be so um, stuck in that mind frame that you're not going to be able to pivot when you become a mom because I had to majorly pivot. You know, the, being the partner in the 200 lawyer law firm went out that window that day that I chose to, to leave. And it was okay. And for years, for years, I sat there and I thought to myself, did I make the wrong choice? Did I make a career choice that I never intended to have? And am I gonna hate myself when I'm, you know, 20 years later and I'm gonna think, why did I do that? No, it's okay. It's really okay. So I think um, working moms have to give themselves the um, okay to realize that once you're a mom, your choices have to change to align with whatever your parenting needs are. Um, and hopefully you can afford to make those changes. And sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't, but it's all right to be able to say, I'm putting my family first and I'm putting my child first because this is what my child needs. And that's what I need to do. Because if you're not healthy in your mind space, because you're going to this crazy job, that's destroying you, like, you know, chipping away at your brain one 
molecule at a time, you're not going to be healthy for your child, right? That's what I learned. I was like, they're just like slowly chipping away at my brain and I'm not going to be here for my kid. So yeah, it's, it's okay to feel all of that guilt, all of that limitation, and then just reach out for help and find resources to give you the information you need to find the right choices and validate those choices. Karina, I appreciate you coming on, but more so I appreciate that you're in my life because, yeah, I mean, this community that we have here, and I'm talking about professionals and hobbyists and everybody that is connected through this community we have, it is, uh, I mean, it's my lifeline because it's, it's who I connect with the most and who's able to like really, um, you know, criticism is always hard for people to take, but when, when, when somebody comes to you with different ideas about how you might approach things, it doesn't come off that way. It doesn't, it comes off with so much love and, and it, and it, that type, your way of talking to me enables me to actually absorb it. Whereas I think other people in other spaces have had suggestions for me and I can't even absorb it because it's not coming from a place of so much wisdom and love and, and wanting the best, wanting the best for, for me and knowing that I can do the things that I'm trying to do. Just, I just need to, you know, take a different perspective for five minutes and then calm down. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I'm here for you anytime you need. I know. I know. She's like, are you okay? Do I need to come to class? I'm like, well, you should come to class anyway, but yes, I'm okay. Currently like for like three days, I'm okay. (laughs) I worry about you. I've been there. I know. Ah! I get you. Yeah. (sighs) Gonna get through it. Um, I appreciate you. Thank you for carving out the time. My pleasure. Anytime. I'm like so nervous to hear what this is all going to sound like when you're done with it. <laughs> no, you're so good this at this. Good. Um, this is good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Love you. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Karina, you are just just wise, wise beyond your years. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate you coming to talk to this community because a lot of the ladies here are in the weeds and we really can't see the forest of the trees. So I appreciate you so much. And my listeners, please check out, roll it out. It's, it's not so sexy to, (laughs) to sign up for a rolling class, but the benefits far, far, far outweigh any of the funness (laughs) that that you know other activities bring so um and we have fun together we have so much fun together so please join me for that and arrow rehab's coming at you very soon i will talk more about that later but please honor me with the five star rating and a review anywhere you get your podcast in the apple app it is so easy to leave a sentence and a five star so i appreciate you thank you for doing that if you already have I am a slave to the algorithm. There's nothing I can do about it. And, you know, I want this podcast to grow to the far reaches of our community all around the world. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you to the Digital Podcast, Family Podcast. Uh, They are the structure to this wild ride that I am on. If you want something a little bit wider, 
of uh, of topics. Greener grass is very easy to listen to. Me and Kelly are kind of ridiculous moms talking about our, our, our issues, um, our big and small issues, and then we bring on amazing guests as well. All right, my friends, have an amazing week. I'll see you guys next time. Over and out, this is The Expected Year. Oh, 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 oh,